This is the Shape America podcast, hosted by Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy, making 50 million strong by 2029. podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Stephanie Sandino. First and foremost, welcome back to school to everyone out there, whether you started early August or right after Labor Day weekend. We hope that your 2018-2019 school year has blasted up and over the moon. We're so grateful that you are tuning in and taking the time out of your busy schedules to listen in and instill growth in your practice through professional development that is delivered right to your ears wherever you are. Today, we've got a special episode that is all about classroom management, an aspect of teaching that is not only important at the beginning of the year, but throughout the year to set our students up for success. We have asked three physical education teachers from different parts of the U.S. at the elementary school, middle school, and high school level to join us. Perk up those ears as they share with us their tips and tricks that have worked for them and their students as they discuss everything from student grouping, off-task behaviors, praise, incentives, routines, organization, and so much more. Without further anticipation, I'm going to let our guests steal it away. Hi, my name is Mike Morris. Um, I teach elementary PE in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina at Baskerville Elementary and Red Oak Elementary. Um, Baskerville is a K-5 school and Red Oak Elementary is a K-2 school. Hi, uh, everyone. My name is Mark Fulmer, and I have been teaching middle school physical education in uh, Calumet City, Illinois, for uh, 24 years now. Uh, I was uh, recently honored in 2017 as Illinois' middle school physical education teacher of the year, and then uh, in 2018, the uh, Shake Midwest District Physical Education Teacher of the Year Award. Uh, I, I, I currently serve on Shape's uh, Physical Activity Council, the uh, Shake Midwest District Leadership Committee, and am currently Illinois AFERD's president-elect. Um, boy, what an honor it is to be a part of this uh, podcast. I want to thank the uh, Shape America podcast team of uh, Matt, Colin, and Stephanie for including me in this experience. And uh, I, I hope I can share maybe a tip or two uh, to help those maybe just getting into the field. I know I'm really excited to hear what others have to share, and, and I hope to borrow some of their ideas and tips. Hi, my name is Joe Bailey, and I teach at Severus Senior High School in Wausau, Wisconsin. Routines are very important. Um, they save a lot of learning time, and I think they make your life a lot easier. Um, one of the everyday routines that I use for my students in grades three to five is that each day they enter, um, I have a instructions written on the whiteboard for them to complete. And as soon as they enter, they do this as soon as they enter. 
Um, this is something that we practice on the first day of school and practice it the entire year. So when they come in, for example, the whiteboard might say, find the poly spot, complete 40 jumping jacks, and sit crisscross when done. Or one day it might say, walk and talk to a partner. When the music stops, find your own personal space. So it's just something for them to do right away. Um, another thing, another routine that I do every day is that I, um, I, I review the expectations that I have for my students every single day. Um, the school district that I work for has adopted a CHAMPS, which is like a positive behavior support. So every day that students come in, after they complete the activity that's on the whiteboard, they, um, I teach the expectations to them. And each letter in the acronym CHAMP stands for something. So C stands for conversation. So I tell them like what the conversation should look like. For example, while I'm talking, there's your conversation should be on level zero. You're listening to me. Um, the H stands for help. What do they need to do if they need help? Should they raise their hand, ask a partner? Um, the, uh, the A stands for activity. So I go into what we're learning today, why we're learning it, and how would they know they learned it. Um, the M stands for movement. So what should it look like when you're moving around? You um, safe movement, no sliding. Um, the P stands for participation. Uh, how will I know if you're participating? Or what should it look like when you're participating? And the S stands for success. How will they know if they're being successful in what we're doing for today? And um, I found that that works really well, especially for my classes. They're a little bit more on the rowdy side. And, yeah, that kind of calms them down. And they know I also review the consequences. Routines for your class are really, really important. Uh, and, and the biggest tip I can give here is be organized. Uh, the more organized you can be, uh, the better equipped you will be as a teacher to handle those issues in the classroom or those unexpected changes that we all encounter. And, uh, and uh, the first, first thing that goes along with this is my year is planned out curriculum-wise. Uh, every year I know exactly what we're going into. And uh, uh, during the summer, that's the time I take to uh, prepare my lessons and uh, or at least come up with the framework for my lessons. And then I can prepare uh, as as new units are starting to come up and, and get a better grip on that. Uh, I, I like to run a three year cycle. So what does that mean? I do not repeat any unit or activity uh, every year. I try. Uh, to expose my students to as many activities as possible in that three-year period of time. And uh, please understand that concepts and certain skills may be repeated, but not not same units over and over and over. I, I believe that that keeps things fresh for myself as well as for my students. Another tip is keep a journal of some sort uh, to make daily notes for ways you can improve a lesson or a unit, uh, whether that's a written journal or, or something that you do on a Google document, whatever it might be. Um, now I'm going to admit my students, and I think uh, this is my belief that all students actually need some kind of a routine, but I know my students need that consistency that of that routine. And at the beginning of the year, 
we practice it. I start my year off by uh, going over my classroom routine and expectations. And, and then, as I said, we practice that. Now, that includes practicing our emergency drills, such as uh, fire drill, tornado drill, and, and lockdowns. My best tip here is to, uh, is to let you know that it is okay if a class has to review or revisit a routine. Um, we have to remember that, you know, they're just students, and sometimes we'll have a mistake or a fail every once in a while. And, and so there will be times when, when we have to revisit or review, and, and that just is something that we have to do. Um, my students know that uh, to get to the activity, they don't get to the activity, I should say, uh, until the class is quietly lined up in the hallway outside the gym, and then, then they must enter the gym quietly and, and so forth. So we have a whole routine that we go through and practice. And then I follow through with what, uh, or follow through with what you say to the students. If a student of mine is disrupting class and the learning process that's going on, and this is a repeated offense, uh, I let them know, and I let them know I will call home. Uh, and and uh, along with that, I don't just say it, you've you, you got to follow through with it. Um, if you're not following through with something, kids the kids see that, feel that, know that, and, uh, and then you're only opening up uh, problems for yourself. Now, I just actually have just one rule for my class, which I truly believe covers everything. And my one rule is keep your hands, feet, and mouth to yourself. And if you think about it, if, you're keeping your hands to yourself you're not touching anyone or anyone else's property or the equipment and that goes along the same concept with your feet and if you keep your mouth to yourself meaning don't say anything mean spirited to anyone uh if you can follow that one rule uh in my class you'll be okay okay first up things i always do in the classroom um i have a whiteboard in our teaching space and every single day without fail, I have a what, why, how posted up there that lets the students know what it is we're going to be learning today, um, why we're learning it, and how they are going to know that they have been successful in whatever other tasks are part of the day. Um, it will normally also say where we're going to be, um, if we're not going to be meeting at that exact spot, um, or if, you know, if I know that we're going to be somewhere else and there might be some students who are arriving late. I always make sure that our lesson location is on the board so they know where to go if they're late. And there's often a warm-up or an instant activity posted that students can get on with um, as soon as they are changed and ready to go. I found praise to be very effective when working with elementary students. Um, I use it to change behavior and also to encourage positive behavior. So, for example, um, if I see one student that is doing what they're supposed to do, I say, oh, I love the way that Johnny is sitting and looking at me while I'm talking. And that'll kind of get the rest of the class to follow suit. Um, I also use it to change behaviors. So um, also, my students love helping me clean up for the next class. So I'll choose a, a helper for the day. And that kind of gets them to, oh, I want to be the helper. Um, Positive incentives. One of the positive incentives I use is a little system I call Bulldog Book. So I've kind of made my own money for my class. And anytime I see students behaving, I'll go around and give them a Bulldog Book. And I give them the choice to either save it or spend it at 
the end of the class in the prize box. So I got like pencils and um, little toys that they can play with. And um, I also have a school that uses class dojo school wide. I'm not really a big fan of that because I'm not really consistent. It's kind of hard for me to get to my phone while teaching. So that's something I got to work on. One of the best positive incentives or ways to to recognize students, I learned recently, and it was actually through the sport ed model. Now, in this model, students have a role or a job to do. And I found my students loved helping or having that responsibility. So I just carried this over to all as- aspects of my class. And and when I was, even if I wasn't doing a sport ed uh, unit, and this was just such a great way to reward my kids in a positive manner for, for, for whatever they were doing in a, in a positive direction in the class. And at the same time, it, it'll help me to work smarter and have students help me. And I, that's one thing that I wish I had learned or knew right from the get-go. But uh, allow your students that opportunity to help you out. It's a great motivator and incentive for them. Okay, so positive praise um, or positive incentives. We have a school-wide program where I can give any students a what we call a goal card to recognize anything positive that they've done in class. And I do that, but in general, you know, I want to motivate my students without always having a carrot dangling in front of them. So in order to do that, I make sure that I provide choices. I make sure to try and empower them and... Um, express how thankful I am for what they're doing in class on a regular basis. I think more than anything, if the students feel that they are respected and that everything that they're giving is valued, that goes a long way to reinforce the importance behind anything that you're teaching. I use music as my stop and go cue. Um, This is something that I practice starting from the beginning of the year. And um, it's also something that I embed in my description. So I often find myself saying, when the music starts, we're going to, and then when the music stops, this is what we're going to do. So my students know that when the music starts, this is when activity starts. When the music stops, this is when the activity stops. I guess I'm not really uh, creative with my uh, stop-go cues or attention getters. I would consider this pretty traditional. I use a uh, music stop and go cue uh, and or a whistle stop and go cue. Obviously, I use the whistle stop more when I'm outdoors and don't have any kind of uh, equipment that I can have outside with me. And then indoors, I use the music. But this is all part of my uh, routine that we practice the first couple of weeks. We practice, uh, as I said, at the beginning of the year, going through this and this is just part of that classroom management expectations. Uh, we'll, we'll go through a various activities, short uh, instant activities with the kids and uh, practicing music stop and go cues and the whistle stop and go cues. And I will go back and revisit that uh, periodically throughout the year. And I definitely revisit it after any kind of a long break like um, uh, Thanksgiving or winter spring breaks. And then... Our school is in trimesters, and 
every trimester I'll have uh, new classes that will start with me, whereas, and then I'll lose a couple of classes that go off to health for a trimester, and then obviously they come back to me. But so each trimester will revisit and relearn and repractice those uh, uh, start and stop go cues. Probably my number one go to on the stop go. Um attention getting front is the clap once and then clap twice if you can hear me clap once and you know generally you'll get some of the students engaged and if you can hear me clap twice and by the second time round, you generally get most of the students attention other than that um i use music i use my own voice um I have a whistle, which is my fingers that I use sometimes as well. Um, and they all seem to be pretty effective. So, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. One of my favorite strategies for um, grouping students is giving them a card when they enter. Um, when they enter and do their warm-up, I'll give them a card. And, for instance, I'll have, like, I'll have them go to groups according to what's on their card. So all the jacks will be in one group, all the queens will be in one group, all the hearts will be in one group. Um, another way is having students get a partner standing back to back. Um, I found that my students tend to partner with their friends and I'll split them. So all the tall people will go to one side and all the short people will go to one side or all the ones will go to one side or all the twos will go to one side. Um, I also, sometimes I just let my students just choose their groups, and that seems to work well for me. I like to use the uh, Team Picker app for uh, making teams or groups, and uh, and now now that I have a projector, that's even better, and I can just project that up on the screen, uh, upload my class roster. And the kids see it right then and there. They know there's no bias or anything along those lines, that it's a random selection. Um, and if, if, if you are interested in that uh, free app, i got to get that quick plug in for our website. You can go to our website, cbhpe.org, and uh, you'll find that under the uh, apps tag, tab. My number one go-to in terms of grouping students is the Team Shake app. And I've also used the Classmates app um, by iDocio as well. I just love that I can uh, group students in any number of um, ways and also rejig teams wherever I need to as well. I do, however, honor my students' requests. So if there's one or two people that they particularly work well with and that they use to help support each other, I will try and finagle the groups to make sure that happens. And then the other side, if someone really is struggling to work alongside somebody else, then I will also honor their request to perhaps not be grouped with that person in order to try and create the most successful groupings that I can. One of the schools that I serve uses Class Dojo to track and monitor behavior school-wide. I'm not a, I don't really like Class Dojo because I'm not very consistent with using it. Um, I have found that it works my students want to earn points. Um, sometimes when I want to get their attention and bring them back in, I'll just go to the demo class. And when you give a positive point, it makes a, a like a ding sound. And I'll 
go to the demo class and just make the ding sound so they can come back in. So it works. I just got to work on being a little bit more consistent with using it. Well, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but I'm, I, I've been doing this for a long time and before any technology was in school. So I'm kind of old school when it comes to uh, classroom management apps. Uh, I Over the years, I just used a, my class roster on a clipboard and and kept track of positive, negative behavior in my class uh, that way. And uh, each day I would focus in on something that I wanted to keep track of specifically. And uh, again, just very simple uh, plus or minus under whatever I was uh, working on or highlighting for that day with the students. And uh, the last year, through some encouragement uh, from Mike Graham, I gave uh, Class Dojo a try. I trialed it with just one class, just so it wouldn't be too overwhelming, and I really liked it. But my my problem was I went overboard with uh, with it, uh, and and there were just so many uh, possibilities of uh, checking in on students from a positive standpoint, and that I what ended up happening is I overwhelmed myself, and I tried to monitor too many positive topics and uh, so my suggestion there is in the future I, I i will use it but just focus in on one positive behavior per day just the way i did with the old clipboard method and that way i'm just focusing in on that one specific thing and and hopefully it doesn't get too overwhelming so again similar to the clipboard method but just using it from an electronic standpoint um, so for me that's still a work in progress personally so question five, apps that I've used um, that assist me with classroom management, probably the number one for me would be the Tabata Pro app because I can plug in music, rest times, work times, and it allows the timings of the class to flow. Um, it allows me to facilitate and see, you know, engage with the students, and then it stops and restarts whenever we need it to. It can provide silent times, which again is a cue for the students to know that there's either a transition point or a change point in the class period. So that one's been particularly good. I also mentioned Team Shake as well, just in terms of organizing students. Both of those, I'd say, have been particularly successful. When dealing with students who are frequently off task, um, I've found that it's, it works to stand near them when giving directions. Um, that really works. Also, uh, I try to involve that student as much as possible in demonstrations. Um, I'll shoot a question to them every now and then to try to keep them focused. And I try to praise that student because if they're always off task, but that means that they're really doing what's right. So that praise can kind of help keep them on task. What I have learned over the years in addressing off-task behavior or uh, any kind of issues that I'm having with a student, I just call home uh, to share the uh, concerns that I have uh, in the classroom. Sometimes I do it right then and there. Uh, but I always make sure I have the student with me. I want the student to hear what I'm telling uh, the parent or guardian. And I want to let uh, that parent know what the rule of the class or the school, uh, what that school rule is. Uh, 
and and why we're trying to address that behavior. Um, I continue on with the conversation with the parent that that I hate to send any student to the the dean with a referral, but I'm in a position where if if the behavior doesn't change, I'm left with no other option. And I also let that parent or guardian know that I don't like to see kids miss school, uh, whether it's with an in-school suspension or out-of-school suspension. That's that's never, in my mind, uh, the best solution um, to something that's going on in the classroom. So uh, I try to share as much as I can uh, with the uh, with the parent or the guardian. And then uh, my normal routine is then I, I turn the phone over after I talk uh, with the parent or guardian. I then turn the phone over to uh, the student and have them uh, have an opportunity to talk with their parent or guardian, let give their side of the situation. And um, the conversation usually uh, ends up with the uh, parent or guardian having the, they, they have the child apologize to me and, and, and they always say something to the effect of, oh, well, that, that won't happen again. I will talk to my, uh, my uh, child and uh, I, I'm, they always thank me for calling them and and uh, letting them know about the situation before it gets out of hand. Um, there are many times after I get the phone back from the student, I'll get uh, some more detailed information about what might be going on at home and could be a real contributing factor to uh, how or why the student is acting the way it is. It, it, it's it's a really good way to open up that communications uh, with at home. Um, I like doing that as well because I feel like I have some sort of say in the situation. I'm not turning over my problems to someone else. In this case, at our school, it would be the dean. Um, that kind of takes away any kind of um, authority, maybe, I guess, is the word for it, that I have in my classroom if I give it away, if I if I have to have someone else solve my problems. So, um, that has been very, very successful for me, and, and I, I would recommend it. Some people wouldn't be comfortable with that. Yes, I use my, my personal cell phone, so if I have to call right there on the field, I, I get it done right then and there. And I have never in 24 years have had an issue with um, uh, any kind of a, a call back or a crank call or anything like that from uh, – whether it's a parent or if the student sees the number. I've never had any issues with that. Okay, dealing with off-task behavior, I get, my first port of call is to find out why it's happening. Is it because whatever the student is doing, um, the activity is not meeting their needs? Is it that they're finished or is there, it's too challenging? It's not challenging enough? So that's the first thing. So it's normally a quiet word in that student's ear and say, um, I notice, you know, I'm seeing this. Can you tell me why? What can I do for you? Um, if it is a an issue with um, being able to provide the right attention at the right time, then I will try and bring them in to any group discussions that we're having or have them be a helper to me as well. I think the first thing, though, and this it goes back to the very basics of you know having good positive relationships with your students. If you have that, it's much easier to get the bottom to the bottom of any problems that might be happening and try and come up with solutions with that student as a part of the solution as well. Because sometimes they know themselves best. They know that they sometimes are getting off task and they might be able to say, hey, 
this is what I need in order to help me stay more focused and stay more on task in class. Um, so work with the student to start off with, um, see what, you know, meet them halfway, be willing to make some compromises, try that. And then if it persists, then you might be taking it to the next level, perhaps making a phone call home or perhaps engaging with um, the discipline procedures within your school. I would say set up your classroom in a way that allows for smooth transitions. Um, this will reduce your downtime and you'll have a lesser chance for conflict and behavior issues. And it also maximizes your learning opportunities. So. Tips for uh, equipment. I think that's, that's an ongoing process that you always have to revisit personally and reevaluate and, and see if there's better ways of doing things. Um, I'll share a couple of things that we do at our school. Our, we, we are a one-to-one -one school, so all our students are traveling with their Chromebooks. And the routine when they come down into the gym is uh, when they get down the stairs and into the gym itself, there is a, a metal cabinet that uh, each Chromebook is numbered, and each slot in that cabinet has a number. On, and they is the student's responsibility to get that Chromebook into that metal cabinet. Now, obviously, that's for safety reasons. So if we're using equipment, nothing gets uh, damages any of those Chromebooks. So that's why we obviously have the, the metal cabinet. But, but before they do anything, that's the very first thing. And we practice that. That's part of our routine. Now, when it's a day that we're using the Chromebooks, my rule is lids closed. And they cannot open that lid of their Chromebook until they've been given that okay by me. Um, if the student abuses that rule, then it's just a matter of, okay, you need to put your Chromebook back in the uh, cabinet, and now you're going to have to find a partner to view whatever we're, we're looking at uh, activity-wise, um, and you're going to have to choose a partner and, and look over their shoulder. Uh, one thing that's really cool, uh, I use the Hippara, uh app to monitor all of my students' Chromebooks, which allows me to uh, see what students are viewing on their screen and what sites they're visiting. And that way, if I, can, if I do happen to catch them off task, Hapar allows me to uh, close the site or the window they are viewing. Uh, another piece of equipment that we use, I love to use on a regular basis, are pedometers. And I just have those hanging up in a, um, on the wall in uh, a pocket holder. Each pocket has a number, and the students are assigned a number, and so they know immediately, as soon as they're ready for activity, they grab their pedometer and clip that onto their waistband, and uh, they can get started. And um, we just have them record, whether it's on their Chromebooks or, or whether it's on a piece of paper for that day. Uh, and as soon as they do that, they know the process of uh, putting it back into uh, after they after they fill out their information, after they turn in the steps that they've taken for that day's activity, they know that then they have to put it back into uh, the pocket uh, holder. And that's nice for me because I can always check, you know, if you're doing attendance, that's a great way of checking in on who's here, who's not. And then when they return it, obviously, if you're missing one, well, I know it's number three, and you know who that belongs to, uh, who's assigned to that. When it comes to equipment, uh, things that, are, are, uh, that I can keep, the essential equipment that I can keep in a bag or in a box, I keep that up on the stage when we're indoors uh, or even when we're outdoors. And when it comes time to use that equipment, 
I asked my equipment manager. So now I'm going back to that sport ed model and uh, the kids having a job or a role to do. And the students that are equipment managers for that day or for that week, they get to distribute the equipment. And again, the students love to help and they love to have that job and responsibility. And so that not only does that help me organizationally, but it also um, is that is that way to praise or give positive reinforcement to the kids that are that are really conducting themselves the way uh, the expectations of the class are. So first up on organization of things like pedometers and heart rate monitors, I always assign my students a number and they keep that number throughout the semester. So they know if it's a Plickers card, it's a pedometer, it's a heart rate monitor, that's the one that they're using. Um, I had that posted next to my whiteboard as well. So if they forget, then it's posted there. Um, that really helps with consistency from one activity or equipment type to another. Second thing I always do is make sure that the what, why, how, you know, what we're learning, why we're learning it, and how we're going to know we've learned it is always posted on the board. So the students always have a frame of reference for the activities and the things that we're going to be doing. And alongside that, I always make sure that I have noted down where we're going to be for that class period because we are very fortunate. We have two indoor gyms and we have some other spaces that we use for teaching. Um, and we meet in one spot and often because of other classes going on, we might move to another one. Students sometimes come in late um, because they've been either late to school or they got caught somewhere else and uh, just, just happened to be late. Um, it's important to make sure that they know um, where they're going to be and what is needed of them for that day, if they need to change or not. The second thing on the management front is be prepared for it to take more than one time for you to teach the procedures that you want and be consistent in those procedures. Obviously, we want to help our students, but at the same time, as a teacher, you can't be organizing all the parameters and all the heart rate monitors within two minutes when there's a new class coming in as well. So make sure that you allow enough instructional time to go through the procedures that you want, reinforce those procedures, um, use student helpers to also reinforce that as well, or maybe have groups of students where one person is responsible um, for being the equipment manager for that one group and put those procedures in place and reinforce those expectations continually until they are met. Um, again, like most people, you know, our students will often try and find the path of least resistance. And if we let them leave a piece of equipment lying around and no one does anything, anything about it, then they're probably going to do that. So make sure your expectations are clear, follow up with them and be consistent. I believe that the most important thing when you talk about classroom management and teaching is relationships. Um, get to know your students. If you get to know them, they are more than likely to trust you and they'll be more engaged in what you're trying to teach them. Um, it's simple. You can ask them questions, find out what they like, visit them outside of school, go to their, go to their sporting events, get to know them. And you can pretty much get them to do whatever you want. Um, if you want to reach me, my Twitter handle is at Mike Morris, P-E-M-I-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-P-E. -E -E. And also, you can visit my website, 
MikeMorrisPE.com. Um, I want to thank you, Stephanie, for this opportunity. And yeah, get to know your students. Again, I want to thank you for this opportunity to uh, share. I really am looking forward to hearing uh, all the other tips that are being shared by uh, the other great teachers uh, on this podcast. And I, I, I hope, my, at least my hope is that uh, someone can take away maybe one or two tips or ideas that I've shared as well, and, and hopefully that uh, can help them or steer them in the right direction, get them on track at the beginning of the year. Thank you so much. If anyone ever wants to uh, get in touch with me, I'm always willing to help. Uh, I, I, I firmly believe I, I've been really lucky. A lot of people have shared things with me and helped me along my journey. And I'm at the point in my life where it's time for me to give back. And I feel that's really important uh, in our profession. And so at any time, if anyone ever wants to get in touch with me, uh, has questions, I'm more than uh, willing to help out. Uh, several ways that you can get in touch with me. I've got a couple email at uh, contact, ways you can contact me through email. And that's jimrat2, G-Y-M-R-A-T-2 at comcast.net. Uh, you can also reach me at mfolmer, F-O-E-L-L-M-E-R, two the number two at gmail.com and then twitter is another way that you can reach out and contact me and that uh, my twitter handle is at coach foe c-o-a-c-h-f-o-e and again uh, uh, becky and i have a, uh, a website again where we're trying to share as much information as possible there might be some helpful tips for teachers out there as well. And all you have to do is go to cbhpe.org. Everything there that we push out is uh, tried and true. And uh, hopefully that can help teachers out as well. Thank you. So my last piece of advice to everybody is enjoy your teaching, enjoy what you're doing. Um, make sure the students know how much you value them and the contributions they make towards your class. Because we do have the most outstanding job in the world. And yes, there's always great days. There's always days that are a little bit more challenging, but every day we want our students to know that we, we're there for them, we value them. And if we do that, any content that we're trying to teach is going to be so much easier to teach. And finally, have a fantastic school year. All right, folks, on behalf of Colin Brooks, Matt Pomeroy, and myself, we wanted to give a huge thank you to Shape America, as well as Mike Morris, Mark Fulmer, and Joe Bailey for spending some of their time during summer and first few days of school with us. Your time, as we all know, is of the essence, and we couldn't be any more grateful for all of the knowledge you have bestowed on us. No matter what year we are in teaching, it is always great to refresh the memory or even mix it up. With that being said, we always enjoy hearing your thoughts. So if you want to ask us any questions or give us any feedback, please feel free to email us at podcast at shapeamerica.org or even tweet me at smsandino. Help us keep the conversation going on social media and on whatever platform you listen in on with comments, likes, and shares. This is Stephanie Sandino signing out for the Shape America podcast. Happy trails, everyone.